What We Value, the podcast. Hello and welcome to What We Value, a podcast by Deutsche Telekom aiming to inspire and support young people on their volunteering journey. Listen to insightful conversations between me, your host, Jacqueline Azza, and a diverse range of guests from across Europe, from high profile and action oriented young activists to volunteering project leaders. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What We Value. Our guests today are Amy and Ella Meek, the teenage founders of the environmental charity Kids Against Plastic. Since founding their youth-led organization back in 2016, the girls have worked hard to inspire kids and adults alike to take action to reduce their use of single-use plastics or become plastic clever, as they call it. Well, we run a a charity called Kids Against Plastic and we've been running it since 2016, so quite a few years now. So we started it when we were just 10 and 12 years old and it was when we were first finding out about plastic pollution. And it really scared us because we didn't see it in the news anywhere. We only found out about this issue through our own research in depth. And we thought this is something that everyone needs to be hearing about and speaking about and something that shouldn't just be put off for years to come when everyone starts discovering it. So our charity aims to spread the message of why we all need to take action against plastic pollution and just let everyone know about this huge problem, as well as inspiring children to take action just like we did ourselves. And also to try and engage politicians, business people, academics um, in this issue and also to just motivate as many people as possible to become plastic clever, which is an idea that we came up with, which is basically a simpler version of plastic free, becoming a more discerning user of single use plastic, but not having to cut it out of your life completely, because that can be really difficult and kind of off putting to get into this kind of area and taking action because that is such a huge project to take on. So our Plastic Clever scheme has been adopted by over 1,500 schools, over 50 cafes, businesses, individuals, festivals all over the UK. So yeah, that's a, a bit about us. You guys are so awesome. That's amazing. Can you Do you remember the exact moment where you guys decided that you wanted to take this as big as it is? Because, you know, everybody does something to, you know, combat climate change and pollution, like recycling. But what made you guys want to start an organization and change the landscape of the UK? I think, to be honest, it it was almost accidental in a way for us. You know, we never sort of went into this thinking, right, we're going to start this this charity and we're going to run it for six and a half years and counting. It's going to basically make up a lot of our teenage years and childhood. You know, that was not the intention at all. It's almost Mm. just what's come of it. I think for us, it was really that exactly like most of us do. We started really small with our action. You know, we started off by just doing some litter picks in a local area. And then that basically just showed us the scale of the plastic problem and the fact that we'd go back to where we'd been litter picking and it would be replaced within sort of a week. Um, so we kind of noticed how how massive this problem was and just thought, well, we know that this problem is coming from the source and we need to cut plastic pollution at the source. So what can we do to try and make an impact on that? And so, you know, that began really small with just going into cafes, you know, with these clipboards and like these homemade <laughs> criteria and basically saying, please try and cut down plastic and just just basically grown from there, I guess. Yeah. Plastic pollution can be tackled, but it's like something that affects everybody, no matter where you are in the world. So I bet it's something that everybody can hear and 
change their lifestyle to? Do you guys find a lot of people who don't really know that plastic is a problem or that they could make a change? I think initially beginning the charity, it it wasn't a very known about issue. But as time's gone on and there were documentaries like Blue Planet coming out, a lot more people in the UK started to realise about the plastic problem. And I don't think anyone is against taking action against it because it's something that, as you mentioned, we all see in our everyday lives, whether that's through litter or just the amount of plastic on the shelves. So I don't think anyone's against taking action and is not wanting to be engaged in this. I think it's just a way of you just have to educate yourself on how you can stop using it because it's such a huge lifestyle shift. And that can be really upsetting to people who have got into habits of using plastic. So I think it just needed to be broken down into some simpler steps of how people can take action. And that's basically what we've been trying to do. And I'm excited to break down those simple steps for everybody today, because not only do we want to encourage teens how to take action, but I would love to go into a little bit more what, about what you do and how all of us listening could incorporate a little bit of what did you call it? Plastic Clever? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Plastic Clever into their lives. But before we get into that, a little birdie told me that you both have written books. What? I'm trying to do my senior dissertation for college right now that's 20 pages and I want to die. Like, it's so awful. So the fact that you guys have written books is so amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about the books and what inspired you guys to write them? Yeah, absolutely. So we do have two books out. Uh, they're called Be Plastic Clever, which we've, I guess, already touched on a bit um, in terms of the Plastic Clever campaign we run through the charity. And then our most recent one came out just earlier this year, actually, and that's called Be Climate Clever. And the books are aimed at sort of young people, kids especially, but I think hopefully they're not something that's just useful for kids. I think they basically just aim to be a bit of an an introduction to these issues that is really accessible and understandable, even if you're coming with no background of understanding on them. Because especially an issue like climate change, it's so huge and it's often so complicated and scientific that it can almost feel like such a barrier to really being able to do anything about it. Because it's almost like, well, where do I start in, in kind of combating such a huge problem? And so what the books really aim to do is break down plastic pollution and climate change into sort of the key parts of them, really show the ways that we can make individual changes to make an impact on these issues through things like, as you're mentioning, just looking at our plastic usage more carefully, the plastics we use in our everyday lives. But then finally, that really important step of how we as young people can really use our voices importantly on these problems and not feel like we have to wait until we're adults or until we can vote to really make an impact. But actually, we can start today. We can start tomorrow. We can really do something now. So I guess it's really the books are a bit of an encapsulation on paper of what Kids Against Plastic is really about. I'm going to make myself like the third sibling, like your older sister, and say that I'm so proud of you guys for doing <laughs> for doing what you do and for taking on such a topic that a lot of people feel helpless about. Because when you hear of plastic pollution, you think of the vast ocean with so many things going on. It's A lot of it has been undiscovered and water and plastic in it, and they feel like they can't do anything. But for you guys, as young as you are, to tackle this and break it down for people to change it in their everyday lives is amazing. So you both grew around, grew up around nature. So did I. And I loved it. 
um, at age 10 and 12, and then you began Kids Against Plastic, as we talked about. Why do you think it's important for kids to start being active in causes that they care about very young? I think, you know, it's always hard because when we're young, we almost feel like we are too young to make an impact. I think we're so often told, told as young people that we almost need to sit down and be quiet and listen to what the adults have to say. And, you know, whilst that's true to some extent, it doesn't mean that we can't stand up for things that we are really passionate about and we think are really important. And so I think that the reason we think starting your activism journey really early is because many environmental issues that we feel passionately about, especially as young people, are ones that are really escalating quickly and really need stopping as soon as we can. And if we were to just wait for other people, for other generations to fix them, you know, we might never solve these issues facing our planet today. You know, climate change, especially, it's, it's not a new problem. Plastic pollution is not a new problem. These have been around for decades and decades, and yet we fail to see the action necessary to combat them. So we all need to start our action as soon as possible. And that doesn't have to be something that's huge, because really what we try and encourage is that Doing something small, just starting, is really better than doing nothing at all when it comes to environmental issues. And also, especially as young people, we tend to have a lot of eco-anxiety and understanding and worry of many of these issues anyway. And almost the best way to try and combat that anxiety and that hopelessness is to really feel like you are making a difference and you are doing something to try and solve these problems. I agree. I feel like we're all growing up and coming into adulthood in such an interesting time in the world, a lot of turmoil. It's a lot of turmoil going on and it's a lot of different issues at their height, all crashing in together. And to be young and to be going through just your internal figuring out who you are, then you've got to figure out how to live in a world where everything is going downhill. And then you got to combat both of those type of battles together, like your internal battle and then what you do in the world. So it's really hard to have that anxiety reduced so you can be able to go out into the world and do what you want. So what you said about the anxiety is so true and it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And almost not feel like we're alone in it as young people as well, because a lot, exactly. a lot of young people will have these thoughts exactly as you're saying, will have these anxieties and yet you know, we don't talk about them. And so if we can really come together collectively and feel unified, you know, that's going to help with that so much. And exactly as you said, create those spaces as young people where we really can make a difference. From Plastic Clever School to author, authoring Be Climate Clever, you have both used different avenues to get your message across. Can you tell us about how you decide on where to take action? Well, as I was mentioning earlier, a massive priority for us and the charity has always been letting people know about this issue and that involves a lot of education and so yeah education has been a big part of our charity and our work and in cases with environmental issues like plastic pollution and climate change we often hear about all of the doom and gloom and how difficult it is to tackle these issues and we have to make so many changes to make an impact but lots of us don't actually know a lot about the issues in the first place or enough about them to have the motivation to carry on doing any work. So if we make one change in our life, we might not have the motivation to carry on if we don't really know about these issues in depth. And so that's why a huge part of the Plastic Clever scheme is aimed towards schools and young people, especially primary schools, and to help these issues be integrated into the education system, 
and to help young people stop habits from forming at a young age. Like I was saying earlier about how a huge barrier for people taking action in adulthood is the fact that they form these habits with plastic and it's hard to break away from them. So to try Mm. and stop these habits from forming at an early age so that people grow up with a better mindset towards plastic and don't get into those habits is a big a big priority for us. Well, this, it's also why in Be Climate Clever and Be Plastic Clever, they are aimed at young people, but also anyone, um, just to try and present these issues in a less overwhelming way and more just about informing people and not trying to scare anyone. I love what you said about integrating it into the school system. And I think that's really important for a lot of activists to, because everybody when they think of like activism, they think of protests and government and which is and legislation, which is very important, but integrating it into the school system, like, like how I know most, I know in America, we have, um, dare like say no to drugs. And I don't know if you, you guys have that in your country as well, but I'm sure every school curricular talks about the harm of drugs. And I feel like if we incorporate the harm of plastic and the harm of so many other things in the school system, the kids will have an understanding of it and they'll be able to cross it with all of the other things that they're learning so they can have a real world analysis of what's going on. So I really agree with that integrating into the school system. How important was it that you were fighting for climate justice as a duo versus on your own? And how would you recommend teens to find their own partners, communities to do the same? Well, I think you know, running, running our charity as a family has, I think it's been really important for our journey because we started this, you know, we, this charity is still just a family run one, you know, we, where our impact is growing, but our team behind it is very small, you know, (laughs) us and our parents and then the amazing team of young people that we work with as part of it. So I think it's really at the heart of everything that we do with our charity. It comes from working together, supporting each other. And I think we've both grown so much as young people throughout the journey through the charity, you know, really learning from our experiences and developing our skills in different sectors together uh, because we've come, you know, we've come to environmental issues. We've come to running a charity with, you know, no one in our family with any experience of you know, the environment of the charity before we started this. It's been a really learning as we go, researching a lot, working with other people. And we've always had to rely on each other in tricky situations, which has always been a huge comfort and help, I think, especially when it comes to really balancing the charity with things like school commitments, you know, our personal lives. And so we're really lucky to have our parents involved in the charity and they've been a massive help in running it and still are just, you know, coming up with ideas, especially being teachers as well. And so really knowing how best to engage schools through things like the Plastic Clever Schools scheme that we run, really make it something that's useful for teachers. And so I think, you know, we're really lucky to have been in this situation with our charity, but we definitely recommend as well to any young person who's looking to get involved in tackling you know, any any issue, we really recommend building that community of people around you. And it doesn't have to be, you know, your family. It doesn't have to even be people your age or the activists from around the world, even just people in your community, friends, you know, they can be the best people to rely on and seek help from. I love that. Me and my sister are very close too, but she's not, she wants to go to medical school and help the world that way. And I'm like more law school, which is so like, but I would love working with my sister if like we ever had the opportunity to, because I could just only imagine how comforting it is to have somebody by your side who has literally been there since the day you were born. Well, whoever's oldest. (laughs) And you, there's no shame on like 
talking about anything with them. And so I bet it's super helpful to have your sister by your side. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. How would you recommend for somebody who may be a little shy and who, you know, wants to do it, but you know, wants a partner to do it with? Like what type of environments you think would be best to go and find your activism partner? I think, you know, I think it's really, it's really tough, especially as, you know, a lot of activism, you know, as you're saying, it comes from putting yourself out there and speaking to people, public speaking, people your age, you know, that's not something that comes naturally to us either. You know, when we started our charity, I think, you know, like Ella, you wouldn't even get in front of the class at school, right? We were both kind of really shy. And so it's helped us a lot. And I think, you know, it's completely natural to be in that same situation at the start of looking to get involved. And so I think that you kind of touched on it already, I think, in the way that there's no one way to get involved in these kind of things. You know, you don't have to leap headfirst into like joining a social group around environmental issues, around social issues. But I think, to be honest, we've seen from the kids that we work with through, you know, the Kids Against Plastic Club we run, and we've had kids who join the Zoom meetings we have with the club. and. The first time they join, they have their camera off, they have their mic off on Zoom and they just listen, maybe put stuff in the chat. And then now we've got the same kids who are a few months down the line and are, you know, the most active participants in those meetings and are, you know, in touch with other members of the club outside of the meetings are really actively engaged in the charity. And so I think you've got to put yourself out there a bit and it can be terrifying, but I think it gets easier. You've kind of just got to make that first leap to begin with, but don't feel like you have to rush it, I think is the main thing. Don't feel like you've got to dive dive in head first. Just kind of take it at your pace. And let's talk about the opposite because we talked about how amazing working with your sibling could be, but you could always talk about how annoying your sibling can be sometimes how do you guys navigate being siblings and having sibling fights and arguments with while also having a huge responsibility I think we're we're quite lucky in the sense that we don't fight that much and if we do we do fight it might be over something really petty and then five minutes later we're back in each other's bedrooms again uh, just talking but I think that's because when we were younger we went traveling with our parents and we lived in a caravan as a family for a few years travel around Europe and I think being in a really small space with your family for that long kind of teaches you that <laughs> you can't be fighting with each other at that stage and I yeah. think even though we've moved back into a, a normal home and we've gone back to school and everything I think we've taken that with us that habit of not getting into fights often and so that's definitely helped with running a charity together, I think. <laughs> yeah. And the differences, you know, they, the differences can like they can obviously prove barriers, like you said, and it can be arguments sometimes and whatever. But in the end, as Ella said, we get through them. And I think you need differences when it comes to especially doing stuff like running a charity. You know, you need different perspectives. And sometimes the arguments can actually result in something that we hadn't considered before, something better. So yeah, we were not, we're normal siblings. We do have our fights, but you know, they um that's natural and they work out for us. Having teacher parents with with running your organization did that help or does it hurt a little bit or how was the clash of both of their worlds with you guys and what the, what you do? It's actually turned out to be really helpful for the charity because obviously with running the Plastic Cover Schools initiative, a huge part of it has been trying to develop resources that can be used as part of the education system and the school curriculum so having teachers as parents for that has been massively helpful because 
our dad is a teacher at a secondary school and our mum is a teacher at a primary school. So with developing resources for each type, it's yeah. been helpful to have their their invoices, their invoice and um, just help with that, with what resources would be helpful for each environment. So it's actually pay, paid off to be really good for us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it almost seems like you guys were just born into the perfect scenario to do what you do. Yeah, it's it, we are, you know, as we said, we're, we are really lucky. And, you know, having having that advice and support from parents, even on something as specific as like education resources, you know, that's been massively helpful. And whilst it means that, you know, we haven't got a huge amount of time in the evenings to work on stuff like the charity because obviously teachers aren't the, uh, you know, then they've not got the quietest of jobs they're pretty busy but um I think fitting it alongside that when we can and working with them it's you know it has been so helpful so to go more into the nitty-gritty of how you even run an organization how you start and the more technical parts of it can we just start off this conversation by talking about why it's important for teens to be doing these type of things like why is it so important that our generation become the leaders and the runners of issues at the forefront of the world? Well, I think young people are really important to having the conversation because they have such a unique and I think a really fresh view of the world. So they haven't had any PR training or uh, work for a company and have any bias in the conversation. And often kids can be really blunt, which I think we need in some of these issues when we're working with politicians and world leaders. So these voices can be really powerful. And I think that's not only being recognized by young people themselves, but also by companies and businesses who are now starting to involve young people more and more in the conversation. And that is a really great thing to be seeing. And we just need to see that as keeping young people involved in the conversation and listening to what they have to say and taking it on board. But we have to be seeing it happening for genuine reasons, not just for greenwashing and to appease audiences of saying that we are listening to the younger generation. Because as young people do have some really, really important things to be saying, after all, we're going to inherit the planet in the future. And so we kind of we do deserve a say in how we can go about protecting it before it's too late. I 100 percent agree. Um one in one of our talks, somebody said, we are not the future. We are the right now. And I love that so much because right now, all of us are doing such amazing things and we need the support. And talking about support, what's outside support other than your family did you guys need or would a young person have to seek out for in order in order to establish a legitimate charity? Well, I think, you know, establishing the charity as a you know an official registered charity that that is something that you know it's not an easy step to take it's a lot of paperwork and forms and stuff and I to be honest I think it worked for us because of the situation we were in and you know how we run our charity but I think that it doesn't have to be something that every young person takes as a step right to running their own organization um because it is a lot of headaches and especially if you're early on in your action it you know it can be a bit demoralizing and off-putting because it's just like an extra load of work which is kind of the boring stuff, the stuff that's not the measurable things of making the change and whatever. So I think obviously steps like that, getting official recognition are are really important, especially down the line in your action. But I think that when it comes to getting support, I think as we were saying, getting that community in place is probably the most important first step, I guess we'd say. 
um, you know, really finding people that you can work with and support you and, you know, in your local community as a, as a first, as a first point. And then I think the other thing is along the way in the work that you do, you'll find a lot of people getting in touch with you and people you meet just out of the blue, out of luck, I guess, at different events, different conferences, even just through social media. And I think we've met so many incredible people in our work over the years, just through situations like that. And I think it comes back to that idea of you've kind of got to put yourself out there a bit and it can seem really daunting, but actually the returns you get from that and from really raising your voice and speaking to other people, it can really help to further you in your journey and give you new perspectives as well that you might not have considered. Wow, I agree. And what you said about being early on in your journey um, and trying to establish a legitimate like government, I'm not going to say legitimate. That's not the right word because everybody's cause is legitimate. Um, a government recognized um, organization. You don't have to do that in the beginning. There's power in grassroots organizing. Just you and a couple of neighborhood friends who want to every Saturday you put on your social media and meet us, meet us up every Saturday for um, a community cleanup. You know, you don't have to go that route. So soon early on because you want to establish your community your supporters um, and you could still raise money as a grassroots organization it's it's harder because I know a lot of big companies when they want to donate they want you know the tax something to do with the taxes but there's a lot of people in the community who can donate to you and then if as long as you're transparent with the what you're buying and everything you could still run a good grassroots organization without being government or um, recognized early on um, cause there is, there are steps to things. And I, like you said, it's very taxing organizing here in America. It's called a 501c3 to be government organized as a nonprofit. And when I tell you it's the worst process ever, I'm like one year into it. And my best friend, Tiana, it took her two years. Yeah. It's very, very hard. So anybody watching who wants to start an organization, grassroots is okay. And there are organizations who can support you through it as well. What is your advice for somebody who wants to get people in the organization? Because I feel like that was something that was hard for me when I was starting mine was getting people in the organization. Well, I don't think we're necessarily the best people to ask because our team behind the charity is still, as we said, very small. Just our family (laughs) and then a few teachers who have helped with developing resources. But I think with our kids team that's definitely something that's grown a lot and actually that happened that development happened during the pandemic period where we started to put a lot more work and emphasis onto onto the kids club and that's how we got more people involved and so I say definitely don't underestimate how many people out there are passionate and willing to take part and do their bit because sometimes you can think that you're going to be alone or people will think you're weird for asking if anyone wants to join in with their work. But actually, Mm -hmm. it's surprising how many people respect this kind of work that people are doing and want to do as much as they can to join in, but maybe don't have the time to do it themselves. So I think definitely just getting yourself out there as much as you can. And yeah, just not making it sound too daunting, but something approachable. (laughs) Setting up your own charity you're going to school and you obviously probably have hobbies and you have also like time for your mental health. You have to spend time with your family, with your friends. How do you guys manage to not lose your heads or go crazy? What, what type of things do you implement in your routines to give you 
peace and for you to center yourself again? I think, gosh, to be honest, I think that's something we're still trying to work out. I think it's been a real learning curve over the years for us to try and figure out how to manage, you know, our campaigning lives, our teenage lives. And I think it's still a balance we're trying to maintain. But I think that what helps a lot is that firstly, we're so we're so passionate about what we do with our charity and with Kids Against Plastic that it almost doesn't feel like as much of a chore as it sounds to to spend an extra couple of hours outside of school and homework to sort of fit in work on the charity. Um, And I think it's enjoyable because it almost feels like we're making the most of the time we have our teenage years and really trying to bring about a bit of a positive change, even if it's a small one in the world around us. And I think as a bonus, to be honest, our work with the charity also fits really well into a lot of hobbies and activities that we like to do in our own time. So things like just going out hiking, you know, with our parents and just picking up some litter while we're doing it or you know, I really like drawing and art and using that to do things like graphics for our social media and the charity alongside, you know, personal things. So I think trying to fit it into things that we really enjoy doing as well is a really nice way to almost, you know, not 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 make it feel like something that's quite stagnant and a bit of a chore. And it's the same thing every day, coming back, working on a laptop for a couple of hours, writing stuff and then you know, going on to then do personal stuff, actually seeing how you can fit the two together and really make the most of the time you have, I guess. I think that brings us to the end of today's chat. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Oh, I have a question to ask you real quick. Um, I was stalking you guys on Instagram yesterday <laughs> and I seen that you guys are more mutuals with Fion. Do you know Fion? Fion? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously like, you know, following for a while, but then it got to... You know, we I went to a conference in Paris a couple of months ago and met Fionn and a couple of other like environmentalists that I've followed for ages and been kind of in awe of. And then we're all kind of meeting in person for panels. So that was crazy. <laughs> Fionn and I were um, did the an HP commercial together and Fionn is so amazing and his plastics thing that he has for the environment for the ocean is amazing like he's so cool and I just love that you guys know each other because you guys are powerhouse oh thank you yeah and it's it I guess that's just another way to show that you know because he's doing such amazing research and you know studies when it comes to plastic you know really which is such an important area of plastic at the moment because there's so many new studies and so much new research coming out about plastic to expose things that we never even realized before. And so I guess that just shows, you know, we're talking about different ways to fit environmentalism and environmental action into your lives. And, you know, people like Fiona are an amazing example of, because when you hear him speak and he talks about like going from having an interest in things like Lego to then, you know, building this device that extracts microplastics in the water, you know, so really channeling your passions. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to find out more about volunteering, tune in to our next episode of the What We Value podcast. Are you interested in getting involved and active yourself? Head over to What We Value telecom.com to discover and support exciting volunteer projects across Europe.